You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. I'm Dr. Tony Nettleman, and I've got my special guest, uh, the famous Walter G. Robillard, on the radio show today. Uh, We'll be talking with Walt about his textbooks, his court cases, CEU seminars, and uh, what people probably don't know about him, about his start in surveying. So welcome to the radio hour, Walt. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, well, we're glad you're here. Uh, I know you've had some health problems over the past, and how are you feeling? Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, that's about all you can ask for at 89 yeah, years old. Yeah, at my age, I'm I'm 90 now. <laughs> 90? That's amazing. And it's, uh, I mean, I, it's reaching the point now where my field days are gone. Well, even though your field days may be gone, uh, we're interested in hearing some of your advice and tips that you've learned over the years. So let me start off with our first question. You know, what was your first job surveying? How did you get into this business? Well, I was working for the International Paper Company. Okay, and uh, where was that? In upstate New York, the Adirondacks. Uh, Wow, that must have been a pretty amazing location. Yeah. It was very interesting, very, very interesting. And what kind of work were you doing, boundary or construction? What was the job? Uh, uh, Everything's been boundaries, basically, until I went with the Forest Service. And and then it became uh, integrated. And your first job was with the International Paper Company. Um, How old were you when you started? I was 17. So 17 years old, and now you're 90. So you've been surveying for that many years? 73 years? Is that right? All that, 73 years. That's incredible. I don't think I know another surveyor that's been practicing for so long. Yeah. Well, I tell you, well, it... You know, time goes by fast, and and that uh, it really doesn't seem that long. It seems like I just put on my boots and yesterday and and went to work. But well, what did you do in your first job? So you were doing some kind of boundary work for the paper company. Well, was, the first job was retracing old lines. I mean, that the international paper company owned. Large areas of uh, land, <clears throat> and they uh, went ahead and and had boundary surveys of the property, and and uh, we retraced all lines, lines that had been run previously by other surveyors, and. And uh, it was it was a, it was an interesting job. So, did you learn more on the job then than in, in some kind of school? You know, did you go to college before that or after that? Well, that was my first year in college. <laughs> okay, so you were in college and you were working for the International I Paper was Company. In college, working for the International Paper Company. And what did you major in? Forestry. <laughs> so you're a forest student working for the International Paper Company. Okay. Yeah, I'm a forester who migrated into surveying 
and stayed there. Okay, well, I know a lot of my students were civil engineers or other kind of engineers that, that dual majored in surveying. So you were a forester who sort of migrated slowly into surveying or did both and then dis- and then moved in? Right. Okay. So you went to college. What was your four-year program? What was your alma mater? Well, I went to State University in New York, College of Forestry. Okay, so you were at Sunny, and you were working at International Paper. So how long did you work for an international paper for? I worked for them four years. Until you graduated? Until I graduated. And then what would you do then? Well, you know, uh, times were pretty tough back then. And I I don't have to tell you that uh, that uh, work was was hard to find. And I had a job, but... I got tired of it, and I got, and I decided uh, I wanted to go into to uh, land management, forestry land management, and the international paper company that they had the. The the prime jobs were with the Woodlands Department. Those were the top guys? Yeah, they were the top guys. <laughs> and who and were the bottom guys? The surveyors and the other the people? Surveyors. It's, it seems like surveyors have always been the bottom guys. Yep. And and uh, the top guys were the were the uh, land managers. And that uh, that uh, I've wanted to get out of it. I wanted to get into management. And how'd you do that? How'd you decide to transition over? How'd you well, try? I, I offered, I asked them, I asked them if I could have a management position. <laughs> and they said no. When you're a force engineer in the force engineering department, you stay there. So, did that make you angry? Yeah. What'd you do about it? Well, you're footloose and fancy free. I was single. I took um, took the next position, and I resigned my job and went into teaching. Okay, so at this point, you graduated from your four-year forestry program. That's correct. Still working for an international paper, and you, you decided to quit and go start teaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started teaching. When I was in school, when I was in college, I took all of courses in photogrammetry. And uh, I, I, that, that was going to be the future, photogrammetry. And uh, these... The uh, courses in photogrammetry uh, included force interpretation uh, and courses like that, and uh, it, they they merged in, in, into the general practice of, of forestry. 
That's really interesting. So today we really have a land surveying program, forestry program, civil engineering. But back then they were really offering a variety of classes in that one program. That's and right. So you took a lot of surveying courses in your forestry? Oh, I, do. I, I took every surveying course I had. Okay, so you really have a forestry degree with surveying courses and forestry courses and other stuff in That's there. That's correct. Okay. So where did you start teaching after you left the well, paper? I was engaged to a girl, and the boss didn't want the people to be married, to be engaged. And, and so I was engaged to her, and, and I had a... Well, it was, I offered her, she could either come with me to Mississippi or or call the engagement off. So you gave her a choice whether to call it off or move with you. Yeah. And what did she choose? She called it off. She called it off, okay. <laughs> so now you're single again and you're on the road to Mississippi. Yeah. Where was that? What, what college were you teaching at? I was teaching at Mississippi State University. And you were teaching surveying? With uh, photogrammet- aerial photogrammetry. Okay, you were teaching aerial photogrammetry. Uh, Air- you were teaching both aerial photogrammetry and right. some surveying. So how long were you, did you enjoy teaching? How about the- I didn't enjoy teaching, uh, but that was just about the time of uh, Korea. And... Uh, the when the North Koreans invaded South Korea, that uh, that uh, it made it where I had to be called up. Okay, so how long were you teaching for before you were called up into the... Just a year. You were teaching for a single year, okay, so a semester or two. Yeah, just a semester or two. And did you volunteer or were you drafted? Well, I I was offered a second lieutenant's commission. Okay, so you got offered and you took as a kind of a volunteer, okay. Yeah, I volunteered. So you were voluntold to go to the military. Now, was it the Army or the Navy, Air Force? It was the it was uh, Navy. The Navy, and how long did you serve for? I served for a year. One year, and you were doing aerial photogrammetry. Yeah, I think it was nineteen fifty-two, fifty-three. And what were you mapping? What were you looking at on the photos? Well, the the thing is, I was mapping just standard boundaries. And that uh, it was it was uh, retracing old lines. Okay, where at? What kind of? Where were these? You know, projects. They were in, in the Adirondacks, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire. So you were back in New England again. You yeah. you left to Mississippi for a year, and then you were volunteered up to go back north. Yeah, and I, I kept yeah. It's, it's very interesting that I that I had that unique experience. 
Yeah, and has serving the military served you in other parts of your life? Did you learn things in the military you, you applied yeah. to civilian life? Tell me that never volunteer for anything. <laughs> so after that, you never volunteered for anything else? No, never volunteered for anything. <laughs> That's great. So you spent a year teaching, then you went a year in the military during the Korean War. What, what happened after you were discharged? Well, then I went to work. Uh, well, I I didn't last very long teaching. Why not? Well, I got crossways with the uh, administration. Oh, okay. And uh, as you know, the administration is powerful. The administration rules everything, and if they don't like That's you, right. you're gone. I I... <laughs> I well, I I unvolunteered, <laughs> and that I went in, went into the military, and then I uh, went to work for Michael Baker Jr. So you moved from a private company to the teaching world to the military, and now you're going in back to private practice. That's correct. Okay, so you've done a full circle over the past couple of years. And what were you doing with Michael Baker? That's still a big company today, so... Oh, it is probably the biggest. And I, I, I'm... Uh, I was one of their field men. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to hear more about how Walt got his field time with Michael Baker. Do you want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as Kogo, Triangles, Traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Walt Robillard, our guest today, is just telling us about how he got his field work in with Michael Baker. So, you know, serving is such a practical profession. You know, you, know, you have to know all the principles to do it right. But you've also got to be able to actually physically do the work and find the monuments. What, what did you do with Michael Baker? How would you I, learn that? I'm a field man. I have always been a field man. I I, I love the field work, I, and I, I was I was a party chief for him, uh, doing photo interpretation and uh, photo interpretation and also uh, field work. Whenever they had 
a field project, they'd send me out on it. Okay, so everyone knew you enjoyed being out in the field. That was your that was your bread and butter. That's my bread and butter. And was it boundary surveying in the field, or what, what kind of work were y'all doing at Michael Bay? No, it wasn't. It was more than boundary. It was uh, roads, boundaries, roads, uh, easements, rights away. I mean, whatever cause uh I, I also i i did uh for water uh water storage okay so a lot of engineering you know supporting engineering projects roadways water and i know M- michael baker is a pretty big company today yeah and it was pretty big back then too right yes big company I worked for Post Buckley for a while, and I enjoyed it, but working in a big company is, you know, you're only one person well, in 10,000. I, I was made uh, head, of, head of surveys. Okay, so you moved up pretty quickly? Well, I, after about three years, they put me as head of surveys. And what were you doing? Were you the project manager? Is that your, was that your yeah. job? Well... The thing is that with Michael Baker's, that unless you're a civil engineer, you might just well forget it. <laughs> There's no promotion for you, and that uh, I I saw that the promotions were limited and weren't going to um, people who were qualified. So you had problems moving up with international paper because you were a surveyor, a forester, and now you're having problems moving up to uh, in Michael Baker because you're not a civil engineer. That's so you're, right. You're seeing a trend in this job market, right? That's right. So what what did you figure out? I mean, what was your plan once you realized there was no you know upward mobility? You know, I I, I just want to do field work. And I did some cave surveys. I did surveys for... Cave surveys? How, cave do, you, how surveys. do you do a cave survey? Well, I did cave surveys. Uh, for what reason? Uh, the Forest Service was going to develop a cave. We, we had uh, some caves in Arkansas. And we decided, and the Forest Service decided they're going to develop it. And so they needed a, an, uh, a survey of both the underground features and the surface features. So you've moved on from Michael Baker at this point, and now you're with the U.S. Forest Service. Right. And you're a surveyor or a forester? What's your job? Yeah, I was a surveyor. You're a surveyor that, now. <laughs> With the Forest Service, when I went with them, I, I was a I was a forester, and I was a junior forester, and that they they're a dime a dozen, <laughs> and but uh, and so I saw that the land division, the boundary division, was the opportunity to get to break out and that uh, I got into the land surveys and became very proficient in that 
that uh, I surveyed claims, people who were claiming government land, surveying claims. And I'd like to say, though, just that part of that claims that and 16, I was 20, 20, 20 years. 20 years. So I know you worked for the Forest Service for many decades, and you retired with the Forest Service. Right. How long ago? Well, I, I retired from them about 10 years ago. Okay. Or 20 years ago. <laughs> 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah. So you were with the Forest Service for several decades. Yeah. And you started off as a junior surveyor. Uh, what other roles did you do? What, what did you do for the Forest Service over those decades? What's that? Uh, what kind of roles, what kind of jobs did you have with the Forest Service? Well, I only had one job, really. <laughs> I mean, when I wasn't doing forestry work, I was doing uh, boundary cons- boundary work. And that enhanced going into the uh, trespass. So you were the the fix-it for the Forest Service. If there was a boundary dispute, they would call you in and you would figure out. I guess in in that 20 years uh, that I was engaged in that, that I never lost a case. That's amazing. If you do your work and you do it properly, you 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 win. Now you say lost a case. Were you involved in in civil litigation with the Forest civil Service? Civil litigation. So people were suing the Forest Service That's for property, right. or the Forest Service had. That's you know, right. They they. You see, anybody can sue the Forest Service. And uh, they consume over uh, basically just, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> and they, they will. And you were the one, you were the expert at the time, even though you weren't called an expert uh, in the Forest Service job, you were the expert witness Absolutely, that would explain yes. the case and help the Forest Service attorneys litigate. Right, and I met some very good attorneys there. They, all the attorneys that the Forest Service had were very good, very competent, and, and and I was very impressed with them, very impressed. So you've worked for the federal government, the military, private practice, and in academia teaching. Did you have a preferred area? Did you enjoy one more than the other, or did you just go where you felt like you should go at the time? I I liked all of them. You liked all of them. So, what did you like? There was was there a favorite, or was there just you liked certain aspects of each of the jobs? Certain aspects that um, the jobs with the Forest Service. Uh, encompassed uh, claims, uh, trespass, uh, things like that. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to look at what other people were doing. 
and I I like to think that I was instrumental in getting the Forest Service to use new methods and new uh, equipment. Was the Forest Service, uh, you know, a big federal agency, were they pretty keen to try new things, or were they set in their ways? They were pretty set in their ways. Okay. So you were there shaking up the surveying department. And the thing is, they needed a shaking up. And you started off as a junior surveyor, but you you rose through the ranks. You were doing the same job, but you you rose up in the Forest Service. What what did you start off? A GS five or a GS four? A GS seven. GS seven. And where did you finish? I finished at a thirteen. So you moved up from a seven to a thirteen over yeah. about twenty or thirty years. Well, I, yeah. Well, I got my thirteen on the day I retired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that uh, was that by coincidence or was that planned? Yeah, it was just by sheer luck. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Did that help you with your retirement? Did it bump you up the last day of your job? It, it helped me with my retirement, yes. But I, uh, I, I, I sued my own agency because there was disparaging discrepancy between the the actual grade level and what the what the people were doing so you had a bigger role than you were being paid for basically i think so and was that pretty common oh yeah well i think a lot of our listeners will appreciate whether you're working in academia or in the private sector or in the government you're always being asked to do more than your than your job description. I, I think that that is, and, and the Forest Service gave me an opportunity to branch out. I worked on the development of instruments, new equipment, uh, the laser range pole. Uh, we we had the laser range pole. We had the. Uh, Uh, it was uh, an instrument that you shot an air uh, bullet up into the air, and it was you could chase it. We used ex- uh, expanding shells, and we shot it into the air, and we were able to trilaterate. <laughs> so, for our listeners who don't really do this, what what is a trilateration survey? Well, a trilateration survey is using angles. Only angles. Only angles to determine your position. And how many angles do you need to determine? You need three angles. So this is basically a triangle you're building. Triangle, that's right. So you, you have three angles and you solve for your three that's distances. Right. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, uh, the trilateration and... Dealing with stuff like that. Okay. So you you innovated, you worked in the boundary, you got to testify as an expert. Is there any advice you give to a new graduate or someone wanting to move up in their career? What should they go? Where's the best place to try? You know, if I were to give uh, 
advice to us, a young person today? I, I, I would say take on new, new jobs. So no matter where you're at, private sector, government, try out new jobs and just kind of go above and beyond, you know, make, a, make people know that you're interested, not just that's working. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's great advice. Well, we've only got about a minute left in our show, so uh, I'd like to encourage people to check out some of Walt's books, Evidence and Procedure, Brown's Boundary Location, Clark on Surveying. These are all fantastic textbooks, and we come back, we'll talk more about them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to our third segment of the radio show with Walter G. Robillard. Now, I know that uh, our listeners will have this question. So you worked for the Forest Service for several decades. What states did you practice in? Well, I worked in basically all states. Okay. In fact, I did overseas work for them, too. I did... uh, Work in Albania, Armenia, Jordan. And this was later on in your forestry career when you Correct, sort of yeah. hit your top. Now, I know as a surveyor in private practice, I have to have eight different licenses and growing to be able to keep up with all of these clients. As a forestry service employee, were, were you licensed in all 50 states? How did you practice? No, no, that the... The the federal government is immune. They're exempt. It's their property, right? It's federal property you're surveying. As long as you're as long as you're surveying your property, there's nothing they can do to you. So you're not under the state board rules. You're practicing under federal rules. And they used to irk people. (laughs) Yeah, you know here. I'd get up there and I'd, but I never held that. I always would meet the people on their own turf. I I, I believe that I had to be registered and and that uh, dealing with the registration, I I would be registered and I I. I'm registered in Georgia. I was registered in North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, uh, and um, one thing that I I did do is I went to law school and became an attorney. So you you got your start, really most of your experience with the Forest Service over the decades. And then you transitioned from a Forest Service surveyor to private practice. So how did that happen? How did you transition from, you know, federal? There's no problem. No problem. I, it's just who cuts the check. Who cut the check. <laughs> now, was the were the checks bigger in private practice once you retired from no. the Forest Service? No. Surveying has always been really on the low end of the scale. 
But how did you do that? You know, you, you retired from the Forest Service. Were you going to law school when you were with the Forest Service? No, I, I had finished law school. I came home and one night and I told my wife that, the, you know, I'm tired of being second-guessed. And so I'm going to law school. So you went to law school part-time while you were still working? No, when I was still working. Okay. And what did the Forest Service think about you going to law school? Well, they didn't know about it. They didn't know about it. Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, they didn't know about it until after I would graduated. So you were a nights and weekends law student while you were working for the Forest yeah, that's Service. That's right. And where were you living at this point? What's that? Where were you living at this point? What city? I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. And is that where you spent most of your career in yes. Atlanta? So you go to law school, and how did law school compare to the other degrees you've gotten? You had a bachelor's, you had a master's? No, I got a juris doctorate and also a master of laws that um, I believe that you have to meet people on their turf. On You meet people equally. And if these people were registered and they were attorneys, I had to be an attorney too. So you realized that you know you had to understand what they were the the lingo they were talking, the terms, and that's one of the things that I that galls me today is that people just don't understand. I mean, today you you have all types of people who. Are just members of their attorneys and their specialists, and uh, they they hold themselves out to be specialists, but they're not. Uh, a specialist is someone who who. I don't like the term specializes, but I can't think of a better word for it. So you realized you were you were in the legal world doing expert witness work, but That's you were right. also doing technical surveying, boundary retracement That's work. That's right. So you were basically right on the line between the law and surveying, and you had to be both on both sides. I had to be on both sides. Okay, so you, now you go to law school part-time. How many years does law school take part-time? Well, it took me four years. Four years. Okay, that's that's not bad. So three years is the typical full-time. Yeah, but I, I went for four years, and um, part-time. So what happened after that? You retired from the Forest Service. You got your law degree. You passed your bar, and now you're both a registered surveyor and you're an attorney. Yeah. And how old were you at that point? When did you retire? I was 42. You were 42 when you got your law degree. Okay. So you were still pretty young. Yeah, more or less. But I was 42 when I got my law degree. And you worked for the Forest Service for a while after you had your law degree? Yeah. For how long? Oh, just a matter of months. Okay. And then after that, then it was time to go into private practice. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, what does that look like? You know, what are you doing in your private practice now that after you retired from the forest? You know, there's uh, 
private practice isn't all it's cracked up to be. Why is that? (laughs) Well, you've got the collecting. You've got the bill, but you've got to collect on the bills. Yeah, and I, I think you have a seminar called The Three Worlds of Surveying, which is technical, legal, and business. That's right. And I understand your favorite is probably the legal world, but you like the technical as well. Oh, yeah. How much do you like the business world? I don't like it. I was probably uh, the world's worst business person. <laughs> that takes a lot of uh, a lot of guts to admit that, but uh, yep. yeah. And there's definitely a world that people like and people don't like, but your your least favorite world was the business world. Right. So you were in private practice and you hated the business world. How did that work out? It didn't. <laughs> How so? <laughs> no, it didn't work out. I mean, I, I mean, when I retired fully. I probably had $100,000 out there that people owed me. And at this point, you're basically serving as an expert witness full-time. That's right. You're, you're serving as an expert witness, but you're also correct, yeah. authoring textbooks, giving seminars. And that's really where most of our listeners know you from, you know, your textbooks and your seminars. Yeah. So how did you get started doing these, you know, one-day, two-day state society seminars? Well, I... I I believe in education, and that I believe that uh, a person who teaches uh, education to surveyors that it takes a unique person, and that as we go ahead and we. Design these courses to 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 appeal to the surveyor that uh, we open up new worlds for them, and that many surveyors are they they just don't understand. They just don't understand. They think. Simply getting a license or getting uh, a a license to practice law makes them an expert. Okay, so that's a great topic. You know, a license to survey or a license to practice law is really just a minimal competency measurement. You know, you you know the absolute minimum in order to be safe. Absolute minimum, maybe. And now, once you have your license, now it's time to really spend the time to get the practical knowledge and right, learn, learn right. the ins and outs. So, you know, it sounds like you've got a similar mentality as I do, where, you know, you've always got to be learning something new. doesn't matter whether you've been practicing for a year you or know, 20 years. That's, that's the thing that bothers me in retirement, that I'm losing my my focus and that I no longer have the aura to go forward in into some areas. I I'm afraid to go by. But as it is I'm afraid to go 
But I know I've got to keep current. I know I've got to do that. Well, you know, you still keep current. You're you're the author of three textbooks. You still working on any new seminars or anything to share with the surveying community? Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is that that uh, it, the field of surveying is so great that it should uh, it should be open and that uh, surveyors should be qualified I, I really think there's there should be licensing to do boundary surveys so a special license to practice I think a special license to do boundary surveys I think that should be a special license to do topographic surveys I think that should be a special license to do um, um, other kinds of surveys. And that's really interesting because I know that I'm a member of the Florida Bar. I'm a licensed attorney in Florida, and we have spe- we have a, a general bar license, which is for an attorney, but there's also a specialty for real property, for bankruptcy, for family, right. all that stuff. So maybe we could consider having someone like NCWES or another agency give a, a special qualification in addition to your basic state license. I think that should be a focus. Yep, that'd be great. Well, we've got our break coming up, so hang tight, and we'll be back with our last segment of the show. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, we're back with our final segment of the radio hour with Walter Robillard. And now a lot of people don't know that I'm your grandson. So this is a very special honor to have my grandfather and a, a famous land surveyor on the radio hour. So I guess we can pick back up with your private practice now, you'd been practicing for several years before I came to work for you in middle school, right? Yeah. And at this point, you were doing three major things, CEU seminars, traveling, authoring these textbooks, and also the expert witness practice. And that, that's really an interesting mix of things because you were authoring, you were teaching, and you were testifying. And, and as part of that testimony, before you ever did that, you were going out and you were doing land surveys for these clients to resolve their their disputes. How did you find these people? You know, was, when I came to you when I was you know twelve or thirteen years old, you already had a full client base. You know, you were had a full time expert practice, and you and I were doing land surveys together, writing expert reports, and uh, going to court. How did you develop, you know, that you say you're a bad business person, but you were very busy, right? Yeah, yeah. And how did you do that? I mean, how, how did you find all these clients, and, and how did you have such well, a big practice? You know, the thing is, you don't look for clients. Clients find you. And that a person, if the word gets out, oh, you got a boundary problem, see Tony. Or see Walt. They'll they'll solve it for you. 
So you got your referrals from previous clients, from previous attorneys, and they would tell their friend attorneys that you were the boundary expert. Yes. Okay. So you weren't really actively marketing anything. You were just getting referrals from previous clients. That was your business. Right. And that seems uh, pretty amazing because I know a lot of experts and a lot of land surveyors, uh, whether you're just daily practice or you're a specialty, you're always out there marketing your services, trying to find more people. But your problem really wasn't clients, right? I mean, what, what were your major business hurdles you had to overcome? Taxes. Taxes. <laughs> taxes. So, so tell the listeners what happens when you don't pay your taxes. <laughs> They 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 clam you. <laughs> they always collect. They always collect. Yeah. So your biggest problems were taxes and invoice collection. Invoice collection. Okay, yeah. so that was your two major things. Yeah, and but but the thing is, going and and I think my books, my three books that I've done did more to bring work in than anything. Sure. And everyone knows your books for surveyors, but really the primary market of these books is not land surveyors, it's attorneys. You know, attorneys subscribe and they get these books every year from Lexis or from Wiley. No, it's not that. It's students. Students, okay. I think students are the main source of my books. So the students are the main source, but I know a lot of attorneys buy your books and they open up the book and they see your name on the front cover yeah. and they realize, you know, you're not only an author, you're also an expert. Yeah. So that was a good kind of funnel of clients coming to you. And I, I think that the being able to bring a client a a Full product is the greatest thing that 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 I've been able to produce. So you can solve their problem. I, I get the same feeling. You know, when I'm working as an expert, the attorney is really the procedural person. He knows when to file and what to file and how to file. But he's really not an expert in surveying. He doesn't know the principles of surveying. Yeah, he's relying on you to tell him how this uh, works. You, you know, the sir, the the attorney is, is the procedure. He's he's the procedural fella. That uh, I I I see the attorney as being the person. He's the he's the leader. He's the band director, and you're there to support him with all the technical information, all the specialized right. information. So that leads me to my, my next question: Can you tell us some amazing boundary work you've done? Tell us: Have you been to a uh, an, a tropical well, island or a giant boundary? What's a good story you can tell us about? One well, of your I jobs? think some of the major major work I've done is. Uh, I spent some time in Armenia or Al Jordan, and as a consultant for for boundaries, I and I I did some work in Armenia on consulting on boundaries. And and what were you doing in these foreign countries? Who were you working for? 
I was working for the Agency for International Development. So the USAID hired you, and were you finding boundaries? Were you teaching boundaries? What, what were you doing in these four Well, I was uh, defining boundaries, teaching it, and locating them. In fact, I, in uh, Jordan, we laid out villages for Palestinian refugees. Okay. And what were you doing in Armenia? Now, was, was Armenia a former Soviet country? Oh, yeah. Country? <laughs> and, and basically, the Soviets had no... They had a land tenure system, but it was all government-owned land. It was all government-owned land. And overnight, they broke away from the Soviet Republic, and now they are... Is it a private... I mean, is it a yeah. similar to the U.S.? Well, they, the Armenia went back to their former... former use of their lands that in Armenia the uh, areas of um, the boundaries were originally in in the early 1900s and then they did away with the boundaries and then they took them up again at the end of the revolution. So they had private land before the Soviet. Then they went. Then they were all government property. So it just kind of reverted back to its original That's role. That's right. In fact, I can remember one one of them in Armenia that um, that uh, <laughs> the. Uh, the government gave out easements and that um, they went ahead and gave out easements and they retained the rights meaning that they didn't give anything out (laughs) how did that work? well it didn't (laughs) that's the problem (laughs) And so uh, that uh, the government, I said, but you do realize that you still, that they, uh, the rights are still there. Oh, yeah, we'll just send the army in and take them. <laughs> That's a great solution. That's a easy. I mean, that was the solution. We'll send the army in and take them. Well, that's so interesting because, you know, most of our listeners work in one state, Georgia or New York or California, and they typically practice this, you know, same thing. Bound, they're a boundary surveyor or a topographic surveyor. Yeah. But you've gotten to practice in several different surveying areas, and uh, I bet there are very few surveyors who've gotten to practice internationally and not just in the U.S. or in their home state. Yeah. Well, I, I've surveyed in every state. Every state plus a couple foreign countries. Plus a couple of foreign countries. And and uh, I, I don't hold myself out to be the expert. I don't hold myself out to be a specialist. I, I, I'm not different. I'm just focused. <laughs> And did you notice a lot of differences in surveying from state to state or country to country, or was it all pretty much the same principles? 
I mean, the basics are simple, are basic. That you turn the angles, you measure the distances. I mean, those are all basics. And now we talked a lot about boundary surveying and the field work, but you've also done a lot of research, land records research and other things like that, right? And I remember one case that I worked with you on in the Virgin Islands where uh, there was a land claim. You were contacted by uh, an individual who thought that she had – she believed she had property in the Virgin Islands. And she asked you and I to research the records of the – the, not the county, but of the island courthouse to find out what, what was going on. So what was it like practicing in a beautiful place like, I think it was St. Thomas? Well, it's, uh, that's still going on. Still going on. <laughs> still going on, but... Uh, and was the records similar to the U.S.? Were the records yeah, systems? Yeah, the records are similar, but she her deed says, and all the land that hasn't been given away. So this is a remainder deed, basically. This is a remainder deed. That's right. And and you were asked to go out and find all the people who had gotten land in that's this right. area, and then to simply cut out yeah. their claims to figure out what was the remainder. Yep. And the thing is, you know, the thing is, you sit here, and we look at all these problems. And knowing that you can only help so many of them. You can only handle the facts given to you, right? You can't make anything. You just basically interpret what's given to you or what's available. Anything that needs to be interpreted. Now, along those same lines as, as you serving as an expert, I know that you've testified in a lot of surveyor negligence cases as well. You know, did the surveyor do a good job or an adequate job? Yeah. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our radio hour. So do you have any uh, advice for surveyors um, about, you know, the neg- how to stay away from those state boards and how to stay not negligent? You know, I think one of the saddest things is I've represented clients before state boards and that I think one of the things I I had a hearing before the state, one state board and I said you that I... I'm the representative of, uh, of the surveyor. Oh, yes, we know about your reputation. <laughs> and I said, what you say, we understand. So you were the liaison between the surveyor and the state, state board. State board, yes. So what's your advice for staying away from the boards and doing a good job? Cover your tracks. Cover your tracks and document everything. Document everything. Okay, great. Well, that's good advice. Well, our hour has gone by very quick today, and I'm sure we hopefully have uh, Walt back on again. But uh, for that, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we're glad you're doing well. It's a pleasure. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.